about that. If you're visiting with us for the first time, um, I'm glad that you're with us. My name is Philip Brand, and I'm the pastor here, and um, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I was looking for some people I met before the service, but maybe I just can't. I'll find them eventually. Don't worry, I won't point you out or have you come up to the thing. I just wanted to look at you. I don't even know why I'm telling you that. My, my brain is like thinking, and my mouth is moving with what I'm thinking. Most of the time, I can keep that back in the back, but, um, oh boy. So here we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of you know, some of you don't. Uh, in my house, we play October music in October. Um, it's an it's a October playlist that we play. Um, this year, I had a brand new CD. I was really excited about it. It came out in January. I couldn't play it until October. It's, so, yeah, and it was uh, Charlie Brown, It's a Great Pumpkin. It's the whole soundtrack. It's all the jazz and stuff that's in there, so, so that's being played. But we really like October music in my house. My daughter is listening to it up in, in uh, Liberty, and Quinn listens to it in his car, and even Nicole listens to October music and, and enjoys it, which she, is, uh, she didn't like it at first, but now she likes it very much so. Um, we used to joke that she was secretly liking October music, but she, she really likes it. So we, we have a good time. Uh, my heart is that in five days, October music is over. Kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But then on November 1st, we start Thanksgiving music. Yes, Thanksgiving music. Yes. That's right. And I have a whole list of 112 Thanksgiving-type blessing-type songs that we listen through through the Thanksgiving season. And then it's Christmas music. And if you're playing Christmas music now, um, the altar is open at the end of the service, <laughs> and God will forgive any Sid, including that one. <laughs> Great. So with that said, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. The title of the message this morning is Mark That Weirdness. Mark That Weirdness. So Mark chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 21 of Mark chapter 1. By the way, paralytic. Okay, paralytic. Just kind of just wanted you to know. I don't know what happens, like you could say that word the day before that you get up here and it doesn't have it, but it's paralytic. We wouldn't go into an ice cream shop to lick something. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't two of us going, you know, okay. Crazy. All right, verse 21 of Mark says this, and they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. I want you to know that Jesus was invited to teach at the synagogue. He didn't just show up. He could have, right? He could have just showed up, but he was invited to come and teach at the synagogue. They had heard about his teaching. They had heard about his healings. They had heard about him as a religious leader, so they invited him to come to teach at the synagogue. In verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. So here is a guy that's coming to the, the synagogue there and he's teaching as if he is the source of the authority of what he is saying. 
what they were used to is that they were used to a guy coming in and saying, well, scribe such and such says this about this passage, and scribe such and such says this about this passage, and Pharisee, um, this person says this about this passage, and just giving all types of interpretations of the scriptures and all these people and quoting all these people. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came in and read it and then just told them what it said. So they were astonished that he wasn't quoting anybody. The thing that also astonished them was when he was teaching, they couldn't find anything wrong with it. Like he was saying these statements and they knew immediately that it all tied into the Bible because the scribes were thinking in that particular regard. So here's this guy that isn't educated in the temple, isn't educated in the, in the synagogue. He was a carpenter his entire life. He has this ministry that he's healing people, and he comes to speak at the synagogue, and they are just astounded at the way that he speaks, his authority that he goes with his speaking, and how he doesn't quote anybody, and it astounded them how he was teaching. So I want to make a couple of comments about, about Jesus, okay? First, Jesus had no worldly power at all. Jesus had no worldly power at all. In other words, Jesus was not a worldly king. He wasn't born into a, a family, a royalty, where power passed on to him. He he wasn't a worldly king. He didn't, he didn't come from that particular line. He had no political power. None at all. He had 12 apostles who at times were really good and at times were really bad and they were kind of all over the spectrum. He really didn't have a political organization. He had no political power. Jesus didn't have a human military, Right? He didn't have a human military. So he couldn't walk into a city with a, with a big group of, and an army and kind of pressure the people into doing what he wanted them to do. He also had no religious power. He wasn't a scribe. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a Sadducee. He didn't grow up in the temple, though his parents visited it every year, you know, from time to time. So he had no really religious power at all. He had no earthly power at all. So this guy shows up and he starts to teach named Jesus who's healing people and he's got this ministry and people are astounded that here's a guy that's not a king, he doesn't have political power, he doesn't have the religious system power, right? And he's teaching as if he is the way, the truth, and the life. Are you tracking? So they were absolutely astounded at this. So because he didn't have any worldly power, he wasn't trying to manipulate anybody. right? Now, I know that there's good people in politics, so I'm not trying to say that. I know that there's good leaders, but politics and leaders in in that arena try to manipulate you into thinking a certain way. They, They do. They all do it. They all do it. I know your particular group doesn't, but you are deceived. They all do it. They all do it. They're politicians. So they're using their power to kind of manipulate you and move the society in the direction they want it to go. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, follow me and you will not have a place to lay your head. Follow me and you will have trouble. 
I don't know about you, but if he was trying to manipulate, Jesus was very bad at it. <laughs> that is not something that we say, hey, sign me up for that, right? Jesus told you the cost of following him right at the gate, right at the gate. And you had to follow him and know that your life was going to be filled with carrying a cross. Your life was going to be filled with the world against you. Your life was going to be filled and you possibly could lose your life. There were going to be people against you. He wanted you to know up front what it costs to follow him. So he wasn't trying to manipulate people. He didn't have to. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't trying to impress people. Jesus was not here to impress people. He was here to rescue people. If he had been here to, to impress people, they would have never nailed him to the cross. Never. Whereas Jesus didn't have an earthly army, I would put my money on his army in heaven wiping us all out. So Jesus didn't come to impress you. He didn't come to do that. He, and he really didn't have to. And I also want you to know this. Jesus didn't come to be against anyone. You see, all worldly leaders are against somebody. Think about it. Religious leaders against somebody. Um, political leaders are against somebody. Leaders are generally against somebody. Jesus didn't come to be against anybody. Scripture says very clearly that he loved the world so much, he came to die for them. His, his idea is that the world needs to be redeemed and I'm here to save my enemies. I'm here to save the ones that say that I do not exist. I'm here to save the ones that do not live the way that they're supposed to. I'm here to love them and have grace and have mercy so that they can have peace. Jesus didn't come to be against people. He came to save people. Totally different, totally different. You would have never had him and again, I'm not, you would never have him spatting back and forth in, in a particular way. If somebody, if somebody confronted him, he would meet that confrontation, right? But in the next city, he wasn't saying what they did in this city because that wasn't the point of his confrontation. The point of his confrontation was to get them to see that they needed to be saved and that they needed to join following the one true God. That was his, that was his objective. That was what he did. So he came to rescue the world and teach the world and show them the way to God. That is why he came. And he did that with an authority. He did that with an authority. He had an authority sort of presence. So um, he, he, taught, he taught that way. So verse 23 says this. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Here's a man with an unclean spirit. Um, in Mark, Mark uses unclean spirit, that term, 11 times. He uses the term demon 13 times. And in Mark, they're interchangeable. Unclean Unclean, that word unclean is also a ritualistic word for the Jews. You can be unclean and not able to go into the temple. So there's something evil. There's something you've defiled yourself with. So this is a, a spirit, a defiling sort of spirit that was a part of this man. 
also want you to notice that here in this passage, there is no like disease attached to this person. Um, a lot of the demonic activity was, was attached to like a disease of some type. Um, epilepsy, seizures, um, sometimes depression, sometimes craziness. The guy was all over the place in, in some parts of scripture, was, was demon-possessed. Here, this guy seems to be just normal. And he's in the synagogue. And nobody seems to really recognize that he's even there at the time. There might be two reasons for that. Maybe Jesus was that good. He was, right? So everybody was in tune. But here's this guy, and he's, he's got this unclean spirit, and he speaks out at a particular moment. So this is, I, I want to I make this real quick. It's, it's interesting to me that the people in the room were amazed at Jesus' teaching, but the very being that was in the room that knew who Jesus was was fearful of him. It's also amazing to me that as people started to realize what Jesus was saying, that he was the Messiah, that they became fearful of him. It's interesting to me that once you realize who Jesus is, there is a fear that sets in with you. There, there's something about God walking among you, a perfect man, and you're in contact with him that really should make you fear at some level. You are in a different environment. Now, whereas Jesus came to save the world and rescue the world, that is true. Make no mistake, his holiness requires him to deal with sin in our lives. And the God of grace and mercy that wants to rescue you is actually rescuing you from his wrath. He doesn't want you to go there. Are you tracking? This uh, demon says, have you come to destroy us? Because he has the authority and the power and the capability to destroy the whole spiritual realm. He has that ability. So we begin to think about Jesus, and yeah, Jesus, Jesus is gracious, and Jesus is merciful, and he came to rescue, but you also need to know that he is only going to do that for, for just a short period of time. And there are deaths every day of the week. I have a friend of mine that just lost a, um, a son that's 21 years old. I had another individual that I learned about this week that has lost her life at 30. And it goes on and on. We, we cannot say that in the next minute we are going to be here. And God is gracious and merciful in this time period. But once you cross over, if you haven't received him as your personal savior, you will have to face a God of judgment and you will have to answer for your sins. And that is a huge thing. So here this demon understands who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. The people, the people are just trying to figure out who he is. So Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. I want you to notice there that Jesus didn't go and, uh, hold on a second, I've got to go get my cross. Right? 
There was no kind of cross. There was no type of, of formula. There was no type of, of stuff that needed to be said in order to bring this spirit out. Jesus just said, come out of him. And the spirit came out of him. Because not only does Jesus have the authority to teach what he wants to teach and be correct, he has the authority to tell demons where to go. So you come out. So this guy shook, right? And the demon came out of him immediately. Verse 26, and the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. It's a weird story. It's a weird story. One of the main reasons that, my, that I have an October playlist is because I think this month is the greatest month of all of them to remember that there is spiritual warfare. We're heading toward um, Halloween. And I know you trick-or-treat and stuff like that, so I'm not trying to say anything about that, but what you need to know is Halloween is a satanic holiday. It is. There's no way around this. The church has always known this. In fact, do you know what November 1st is? It's All Saints Day. So to kind of counteract the, the devil worship on Halloween, uh, the church, the Catholic church, had an All Saints Day to celebrate the saints, to celebrate victory, to celebrate stuff like that. So, so Hall Halloween is that. So this October playlist reminds me and my family that there is spiritual warfare going on. However, there's songs all the way through it that talks about the devil and talks about spirit beings and talks about sin. And in those songs is also the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ over those powers. So this is a month of us where we rejoice in the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ because that spiritual realm is real. And some of us really don't want to believe that. Some of us want to believe it a little bit. Some of us, it makes us very uncomfortable to talk about it. But I'm here to tell you whether you're uncomfortable to talk about it or whether you like to talk about it or, or whether you're just not really sure about it, I'm here to tell you that that realm is as real as you looking at me standing right here. It is absolutely real. And in this text, Jesus has exercised a demon out of this guy. And this was a real moment. I don't know if you really know the background of Mark, but Mark is, it was under the direction of the Holy Spirit, but there was also someone else that was involved in the writing of Mark. Do you know who that is? Great, it's Peter. Peter is involved in the writing of Mark. Mark and him were, were good friends, I guess. That's a guess. I'm just putting it together. He's right his way. You know, I'm just making kind of an equation go on. But, but he knew. And so, and so here's, here's people that, that saw stuff. Have you ever, have you, you might not have. I was looking at Mark. This is the first miracle in Mark. Why is this the first miracle in Mark? This isn't the first miracle that Jesus did. The first miracle Jesus did was one that we don't like to talk about. Right, y'all are catching it as we go, right? 
It's, it's the water to wine. We don't like to talk about it. We kind of keep that, lower our voices and keep that quiet a little bit. And then we move on to the other ones where he healed people, right? He, he healed people. So there's a ton of awesome miracles, but Mark, he starts with this one. And I think it's because he wants us to know from the get-go that the gospel, whereas it is about saving your soul, it's also about defeating the spiritual realm, the demons, the unclean spirits, the things that are there. My aunt is with me today. How are you doing? Aunt Judy, how are you doing? Yeah, it's good to see you. Aunt Judy, just, just a little side note, Aunt Judy is the reason I listened to Carmen in October, and um, she's the reason that one of his songs, um, The Champion, is one of our favorites. And anyway, it's good to see you today. Hey, be nice, be nice to her. Just be nice to her today. It's good, yeah. Yeah, I know, I see Uncle Wilbur. Yeah. Look, Uncle Wilbur is just fine with me recognizing you. He gets joy out of that. He does. He does. Yeah. And you make him look better. We've always thought that. <laughs> always thought that. So it's great to see you. Anyway, anyway, back to this. So the spiritual realm is real. So when we start to think in terms of how does that relate to me? Because here's a couple of things. Number one, a Christian cannot be possessed of a demon or an unclean spirit. You, you, you can't be. However you can be influenced by one. You can be influenced by one. So here's the question I have that I want to explore for the next like 15 minutes, okay? Here's the question. What kind of spirit have you brought into the service this morning? Because everybody in this room has brought a spirit with them into the building. Everybody has. Everybody has. I would submit to you this morning that whether it's a good one or a bad one, this is exactly where you need to be. If a bad sort of spirit is preventing you from coming to church, you just need to come to church anyway and just be here. This is the place, zero whatever central, I didn't say that correctly. This is the place where that spiritual warfare goes on. So when we sing songs, it's a spiritual warfare because we're praising the God who has the power over demons and unclean spirits. We're praising the God that has the source of life for us all that's going to redeem us all. There is a spiritual warfare that happens here every Sunday morning, make no mistake. And you and I have brought some sort of spirit with us into this service this morning. This morning, we have done that. Let me show you this scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It says this, give no opportunity to the who? Give no opportunity to the devil. Now that word, opportunity, is tapas. Say tapas to your, to your neighbor. Tapas. Yeah, tapas. Give no tapas to the devil. Tapas is a word that means um, ground. Or it means... Uh, Foot in the door, right? Like, like you've cracked open the door and Satan has put his foot in the door and you've got him gaining ground. Tapas means you give, you do not allow the devil to have any ground at all in your life. 
Now, whereas you, as a Christian, might not, it, well, you're not gonna be possessed of the devil, there are times in our life where we open the door and we allow Satan to gain ground to gain influence, to put his claws back on us. He's not inside of us because he can't, he can't, you know, he can't live there, but he, he's definitely in. And so, you know, he gains ground. Here's what happens in the verse right before that. It says this, be angry and do not sin. By the way, I'll just let you know that that is almost impossible for a human to do. It's almost impossible for a human to do. Be angry and sin not. I can be angry and sin not for a millisecond. Hey. <laughs> we all know the spirit that came with her. A millisecond, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, let me tell you what that means because we, people, are, people are crazy with this verse. That does not mean that you have to work it out with the person before you go to sleep. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's not what this is saying. It is saying that the anger that is inside of your heart, you need to personally lay to rest before you go to bed. Why? And give no tapas opportunity to the devil. If you go to bed with anger in your heart towards someone else, you have opened the door for Satan to get his foot in and he's just beginning to gain ground. He's just starting to. Have you ever been in a moment, and I know you have, I know you have, where you got angry and you just felt like the longer you went, you could not get over it. You could not get over it. And so everything that's happening ignites that. You see this person ignites it. You see this person that's involved, it ignites it. And it ignites you over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't seem like the anger is like subsiding and going down. It's actually increasing and you become more and more angry. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Satan having a foot in your door and pushing it open and gaining ground. Do not give opportunity to the devil. Before the sun goes down, you need to have a conversation with Christ to help you temper that anger that's in your heart that is becoming destructive toward other people, that is causing you not to talk to other people, that's causing you not to approach other people that's causing you to do things and say things and, and make things bigger. You need to talk about that with Jesus and subside that anger and push the devil out. Come on, church. The only way you can be angry and sin not is if your door is closed to the devil and you remain in control, in controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's not how you say that grammatically, but you know what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is in control of your life. That's the only way you can do it. And that is almost impossible to do. The best thing to do is to push anger out the door so that you can think clearly 
And before you open your mouth, before you act, before you do anything, you get alone and you just push it out. I'm not gonna handle that now. I'm not gonna handle that now. I'm not gonna handle that now. I've got to get these angry feelings out of my life. It is not the restoration of the relationship that this verse is talking about. It is your anger being taken out of the picture so that you can handle the situation. And that takes time. Do not give the devil any ground, any ground in your marriage, with your children, with your mom and dad, with your in-laws, with your boss, with your former friends, with your, are you tracking? You shut the door and do not give him any ground. Now, I don't blame everything on the devil, but this right here is how he works. It's how he works. It seems to me that the devil never approaches me head on. And he doesn't approach you head on. It is not obvious when he's coming on the scene. Not obvious at all. He comes on the scene and he is so manipulative and such an angel of light that he can convince you that your anger and your unforgiveness and the way that you are acting is absolutely correct when it is not correct at all and you are in the midst of a a dark sinful time in your life. Is everybody with me? He can convince you that you're right. Have you ever had that argument? Oh my God, have you ever had that argument where you know you're right? You just know you're right, right? I have those on a daily basis. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. And I can't kick it. The way I know if the devil has gained ground on my soul or not is if I'm listening to the other person. See, when I think I'm right and the devil has gained ground, I don't listen to that other person because it doesn't matter what they say. I'm right. It doesn't matter how they're trying to weasel their way out of this. I'm right. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if they're telling me that I have made up a scenario about them and it's just not true. No, 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 no. I am right. Not even going to listen to that. Not even going to give it the time of day because I'm right. And so I continue with my anger toward them. And I would bet that you do the exact same thing. When the devil has gained ground and you're convinced that you're right, it's the moment that you do not listen to the other person. Why? Because it is an age-old tactic that if you listen and get some facts, you might have to change. If you start talking about the issues, you might have to change. And it's so much more easier to get involved emotionally than it is to get involved factually. We do not feel as good about facts, do we? Come on. We don't feel as good about facts. We don't feel like we're in power when we have facts. It's that emotion that makes us feel like we have power, right? This is why we raise our voice when we argue. 
This is why we get upset when we argue. This is why our heart beats faster when we argue. This is why we get so emotionally and so intense and so, right? This is why we, I don't have a door to slam. Oh. Hundred and twenty years and I take it out in one moment. <laughs> and I really like this thing too. It's an artifact. We get so emotional. Now, first of all, I am sorry that that happened, but second of all, that is exactly what happens when emotions take control. You wind up breaking something you didn't intend to break. Right? You you wind up hurting people you didn't intend to hurt. You wind up doing things you did not intend to do. And you know who has won that battle at the moment? The devil. He's got you to act in a way that's unchristian-like. He's got you to go against the way that God wants you to live. And he's got you. He's got you. The devil's number one goal is to destroy. The Bible says to kill and destroy. But then Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So either you're giving ground to the devil in your life, which is destructive, or you're giving ground to Jesus, which is redemptive. And the choice is up to you. Just up to you. You might not have an unclean spirit inside of you, but you might have opened the door for an unclean spirit to be controlling you and what you're saying and what you're doing. Very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. So, let me give you just a few other places where spirits in the world we can't see can get their foot in the door. Pornography of any type opens the door for Satan to gain ground in your life. I don't care if it's a quick look, if it's in a movie somehow, or if it's really in-depth on the internet, it allows Satan to gain ground in your life. You have to stay away from there. There's a whole demonic realm devoted to that particular issue. I joked a little bit about Jesus turning water into wine, but I also want you to know that there's also demons that are involved in drinking. The star. In scripture, I could take you there. We don't have time to do that right now. But, but their drunkenness, you can't seem to get rid of it. You, you can't seem to stop is, is, is a demonic influence in your life. You have opened the door every time you go for it, every time you lose control. The scripture says, do not be controlled by, come on. Do not be controlled by drunkenness, but be controlled by the Spirit of God. That's one of several verses that shows you that drunkenness has its own spirit realm that's involved. Drugs, same way. We're good with that. Listen, we don't like to talk about this, but forms of mental illness often has demon connections. 
we often think that um, we can solve it with medicine, we can solve it with this, we can solve it with this and all this other stuff. But in the Bible, it seems that some of the mental illness is very much attached to, to, demonic, worship, to demonic beings in people's lives. And maybe a thing that you could try or do is to pray that you would get relief from that spirit. Um, Saul, in Scripture, was hit by an evil spirit. And the only thing that allowed that spirit to go away from him was David playing on his harp. And it's not because that David was such a good musician that it was like, oh, no, it's because David was singing spiritual words and psalms. And that is why the evil spirit left David at that particular time. See, this whole realm is more involved in your life than you think it is. And we need to make sure as Christians that we are shutting the door on it every chance that we can get. We are shutting the door and not allowing that stuff in our life because it is here to destroy us. It's here to hurt us. It's here not to do things that are good. So, the way you solve it, simple. You allow Jesus to display his power in your life. That's what you do. So here's a couple of verses on that to encourage you. Oh, I forgot this one, but I'll do this. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Um, Do you know who this was said to? Peter. 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 Like, that's that's a character I look up to, Right? Right? Don't you look up to Peter? I mean, I know there's a lot of Paul people in here, but I like Peter too. I think Peter's awesome. And if Peter can allow Satan to get a foothold in his life, we can too. So here's some verses. Here we go. 1 John 3.8, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to say that again. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Great, that's a little bit better. A little bit better. Do you know how great this is? It's absolutely amazing. You cannot destroy the works of the devil, but Jesus Christ can and will do so in your life if you allow his power to live through you. It will just happen. First John 3, 8. Here's another one. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What kingdom do I live in now? Christ. Christ is my king and he's the only king that matters. I have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amazing. I do not have to open the door to the devil. In fact, Jesus can be my lock. As corny as that is, I just needed to say it. He can lock the door and not let him in. Amazing. I have victory. You do too. Check this one out. Favorite verse. 
For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate you because he has won the war. It's an amazing thing. So, a couple things. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has the authority to teach you something? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, with his authority, is teaching you things that are for your benefit in life? So, if you are angry about some, uh, somebody, with somebody, if you're angry with them, and you're putting up a cold shoulder to them, or you're not treating them, you're treating them with that anger, here's what Jesus says that you should do. You should forgive them. I know. I know, I know, you should forgive them. We've talked about forgiveness, I can't open that, but you have to forgive them. Every day that you decide not to forgive them is a day that Satan is slowly chaining you down and you are not free. You're not free. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. I know the times that, um, in my life where I don't want to forgive, it drives me crazy. What do you think is driving me crazy? Yeah, it's the, it's the unclean spiritual influences that I've allowed into my life. But when I do forgive and I feel that freeness, whew, there's something sweet about that. There's something sweet about that. Jesus says to forgive people as he has forgiven you. Mm, That's a challenge, isn't it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you.